What's going on, good people? Tuesday morning. We got um, some things to talk about. Different situations, subjects, matter in the NBA, NFL. I want to start off by saying congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning for winning the Stanley Cup in the NHL. That playoff kind of just flew under the radar and flew right on by. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, they was eliminated in the first round last season. Stamkos, got a real good player in the NHL world. Led this team, this campaign, and made things happen. And was able to hoist one of the best looking championship trophies I've ever seen. Super Bowl trophy looks real good. NBA championship trophy looks real good. Not disrespecting none of those. But that Stanley Cup trophy is pretty dope. I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. It's up there with, you know, Premier League's trophy, um, UEFA championship trophy. Um, but that, that, that Stanley Cup trophy, man, the World Series trophy, I've always liked the World Series with the pennants on it and stuff, but the, the, the Stanley Cup trophy, man, that, that's a hell of a, it's a big, I mean, that, that's a big-ass trophy, man. And uh, I've always liked how that, that trophy look. But anyway, congratulations to them. They knock off the stars. And that's that. They can start their offseason plans and, and move forward and everything else like that. And be happy and be merry. There's another postseason coming up in the baseball world, MLB. Baseball will be starting their playoff here soon. I think we got about six more days. The power rankings are off the charts. Dodgers leading the way. The White Sox. Tim Anderson, man, he's such a good player. Minnesota Twins. That pitching staff and just bats. Cruz. You know, uh, 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 Sano. I mean, they just got bats. Last year, they uh, broke the record for most team home runs at 307. This year, with a shortened season, they didn't get a chance to do that. Really didn't get a chance to get on fire. But hopefully in this playoffs, they can get going. They have, unfortunately, in October, um, they've gone 0-13 in the last five trips. You know what I'm saying? It sucks. And um, they just won one playoff series since defeating the Atlanta Braves in 1991. So we have to see. They can't carry that past stuff to what they got now because they got a good team. The Tampa Bay Rays are back in business. You know, they're better. But they don't look better on paper. But they're better. Brandon Lowe. Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, you know what I'm saying? Tyler Glasnow. 
I mean, they still allowed the fourth fewest runs in the majors. A testament to both the depth of their bullpen. Now, the thing about Tampa Bay I've always liked is that they always had a good farm system. So when you see names like this, you're like, I don't know these people. I mean, they're coming up from their farm. They're not, you know, worldwide popular Bryce Harpers or, you know, Chris Bryant's. John Carlton and Aaron Judges, you know what I'm saying? They're not Gary Sanchez's of the world, but they're guys that come up and be better and then make a name for themselves. It's just the Rays, they do things like that, man. They, 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 they operate different. The Yankees coming into five, second in AL East, you know, which is injuries has been the big thing. Um, I mean, you're talking about a... Injuries to where the Yankees had to be five and fifteen at a stretch. I mean, favors to win it all beside the Dodgers, and now it's bleak. But bright things are coming. Aaron Judge and John Carlo are back in the lineup. The offense is, you know, it's 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 going to come alive with these two being added, but it's not great. But I can't say about Mr. Voigt, he's on fire. And that's good going into the postseason, having at least somebody that's on a roll. And, the, you know, pitching, hopefully, that you know what I'm saying, is uh, get it together. Chapman's leading the way. Zach Britton, Chad Green. Been really pitching real great here in September. The, the, you know, our rotation is not powerful at all by any means. We're going to try to do what it do. The Oakland A's coming in at six. You know, they are a team for me. I always say the pitching is the thing. Sean Manea, um, real good. Um, Jesus Lazardo, Chris Bassett. Um, they, you know, they have, they are. The A's could be a sneaky team to deal with with that pitching. I'm trying to tell you, and then, you know, they, the bats can come alive. They play that type of baseball, man, to where this is the time where they'll really start playing, where they're like, oh, man, here come the Oakland A's. So they got three starters, man, that can really do some things. I just named them. And, you know, I, I play MLB The Show, and I got the Angels. And I play them, you know what I'm saying? That, that's a rivalry in a division. And they, they're no cakewalk, even on the game. I love that game. It's the most realistic, you know, game that you can play. But, yeah. There's something else now. And they're a top 10 offensive team in the first month of the season. Just saying. You 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 put together some bats that they have, you know, with, with Davis, Chapman. They got some guys now. They got some guys. The Atlanta Braves coming at seven, which I wanted them to be a little higher. They're second in the NL East. Um, their offense is just elite. Uh, Ronald Acuna, 22 years old. Freddie Freeman, a person that can win MVP. Marcel Azuna, Travis D'Arnaud. Um, you know, they, they might not have the best pitching out there, but if they put about five, six runs up, I'm pretty sure their pitching can do something, hopefully. Max uh, Freed and uh, uh, 
And, uh, what's the other guy's name? I forgot his name. But uh, yeah, Freed, Freed is somebody that, that, that I've seen getting worked. But could be good. But their offense, top notch. Can't stop that. Um, they're going to have to just put it together uh, with, with Max and Ian Anderson and, and see what's going to. <laughs> I mean, they, they give up runs. But they they definitely can can, uh, can can give them back. I tell you that. Cleveland Indians is coming in at number eight. They was tied second in the AL Central. Um, just weird about them is that they can just pitch, and you know their offense is inept. You know their bright area is Lindor, of course. Um, they have some other good areas. It's just not they're not on fire right now. But what is on fire is Shane Bieber. Um, you know, <laughs> Shane Bieber can't stop him. Um, Brad Hand, you know, James Karinchak, um They just you know they they're in the bullpen. They're handling things. But Shane Bieber, man, he's on. He, he's he's going to do. He's going to do. You know, Jose Ramirez. Now that's somebody that can be a difference maker as well too. On the offensive side with Francisco, because he's been the hot guy. He's been the guy that everybody's like, "Whoa, Jose Ramirez!" But it takes other guys on that on that on that lineup to come alive, and it just Cleveland doesn't really have that. So if he's on, other people need to step up too, because they're in the bottom five of the majors in runs per game, and that's just the stats. That's just the numbers. I mean, they felt comfortable to give away Mike Clevenger at the trade deadline. And, you know, they, they, they worked themselves out. They knew they knew that they could do it. So, if Ramirez gets neutralized, it's just tough for a guy like Bieber or other guys that have, especially in the bullpen, to stop other guys from scoring runs. Now, as good as they can be, they would love to see two to three runs going the board so they can feel more confident and comfortable and get things done. But if you sit there and you say, ah, you know, they can do it, and think like, oh, we can win the game in seven, eighth inning, when the other team goes to their bullpen, you better get ready for the starters, man. Indian batters, got to get ready, man. If you can't. Leave it up to Ramirez or Lindor. Can't do it. Padres, one of my favorite teams. I would say in the last few weeks, they have not been the, the type of Padres that would make me fall in love with them. But... Um, they're still good. You know, they got Mike Clevenger. Um, which, you know, saying got an elbow strain though. Then they got Den um his saying his first name is crazy. Denilson Lamette. And he's got arm problems. So basically what I'm saying is that a team that's really good is going to have to really get some treatment and get some things in shape 
for them to really come into the playoffs and make some noise with the bats they got with Tatis, Machado, guys like that. The pitching is the big thing for them because they're injured. And it just really hasn't been the same team in the past, you know, saying a couple weeks. If Lamette and Clevenger can't play, man, easy out. So that's why they're at number nine. Number 10, Chicago Cubs, which was higher but kind of slipped. Their third seed, first in NL Central. If the Cubs lineup had produced this season at a level where it cut across to it, it would be much easier to overlook the fact that the pitching staff com- com- comprises a pair of stud starters, which we know of Cal Hendricks and Hugh Darvish. Hugh Darvish has to really show he can do it in the playoffs, though. Hugh Darvish has to show that he's, you know, being the leader of this rotation, you know, him and Cal Hendricks being that those two. But let's be let's be real here. I can't believe that on my so my franchise on MLB the show to twenty had Curtis Bryant having a just a horrible year so far on mine. And it's like, wow, he's having a horrible year with this short season. He's just not having a good one. And for bias, just the same on my season, it's just crazy. The only person's bad three hundred on my MLB the show season is Anthony Rizzo. And even he's playing bad. Kyle Sharp is playing bad. Jason Hayward you know, it's probably the best hitter they got on their team. Which ain't something to shout home about. You need Baez. You need Rizzo. You need Schauber. You need all those guys to be ready to go so they can try to make a bid. Because they have not been the same since they won the World Series and they've kept a lot of the same players. It's going to be tough, man. But their pitching pitch staff is top heavy. It's perfect for the playoff format. They could probably get, them, get some things done. Hopefully. 11, Cincinnati Reds, third in their central. Okay. They've went crazy in September. I'm going to say this slowly. Because I know a lot of Reds fans out there. It's like, they can win the World Series. I could say it slow. They can't, They could really legitimately be a threat for the World Series. Now, teams are better. Okay. But Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray. And they got a fourth guy. Who managed a lower And here's the thing about baseball I cannot stand. Like The Reds was laughed at before the regular, you know, before all this stuff. You're like, oh, the Reds, they give away this, they can't do this. You know, that week last year they got rid of They had, you know, Joey Votto was the only person they kept around.
the the the, the Cincinnati Reds somehow was able to get a pitching staff this dominant that they now they could be considered a World Series favorite or just legitimate a chance to, to go in there and try to make a run for it. And here we have Tyler Molly, the fourth starter, who managed to have a lower FIP than Gary Cole in 220. Gary Cole's, you know, the GOAT, I guess you could say, or the, the, the OP guy to talk about as far as pitching or the best pitcher in baseball. This man, Tyler, had a lower FIP, which the FIP is fielding independent pitching, which is similar to ERA, but it focuses solely on the events a pitcher has the most control of. Strikeouts and intentional walks hit by pitches and home runs. It entirely removes results on balls hit onto the field of play. For example, if a pitcher has surrendered a high average on balls of play, his FIP will likely be lower than his ERA. Balls in play are not part of the FIP equation because a pitcher is believed to have limited control over their outcome. So if that makes sense to y'all out there. This Tyler guy right here gives you the stuff. In the words of Rookie of the Year, the high, stinky, fast cheese. And you don't get it on the field, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the Reds, man. They could be sneaky. Look out for those Reds. Joey Votto, you know, this is... Whoo! They can't melt down. I don't want... I, I'm praying for a non-meltdown, you know. This is... They, they, this would be cool to see the Reds in it and playing. I'm so pumped up that they are actually having a chance. They, they're bullpen even. They're bullpen even, man. They have the third most win probability added in the majors over the season's final month, okay? And the offense is getting better, which is scary. The Reds, look out for them. Houston Astros, don't want to talk about these bums. You know, they're bums. They're under 500. They cheat. And people are sitting there saying they're mystified of what happened to the Astros offense. Are you mystified? Are you shocked? Is it a struggle to understand why? A, karma. B, they can't, they don't know what pitcher coming. Massive drop off from Jose Altuve. I thought, you know, I can't get my mic wet. Carlos Correa, Guriel. Fall offs, slip offs, bust. One trick pony. That's used video to get the pitch. Now look at him 29 31, 6C, second in LOS. Booms. Happy for them. I don't want to talk about them no more. Toronto Blue Jays, 13. Third in L.E. Safe seed. They have Ryu. 
2.69 ERA with a 1.15 whip. So Toronto is like, we did good on this investment. Okay? He's a legitimate ace. They have him. That's nice. A lefty. Dodgers didn't want him no more. Um, I don't know about their chances, though. I mean, they got, they got a legitimate ace. We're going to see how that's going to go down. This is the power rankings for the top 16. You know what I'm saying? That's going to be having a chance to get in. Alejandro Kirks, Nate Pearson, they need to be back. And they need to be on 100 for this team to really make it. They've been dealing with injury. Taiwan Walker, Matt Shoemaker, Robbie Ray, you know, good month. Who'd have thought it? You know what I'm saying? Good month. Especially Tywin Walker, man. I take him out the yard on MLB The Show. And I reference that game because of Sim, and it, it really brings life like this and keeps me in tune with baseball to check stats and games and highlights, stuff like that. So I always say that game has always kept me in the game of baseball. It's hard it is to cover with other sports to cover. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers coming in at 14. AFC, 4th in the NL Central, 29-31. I didn't see this team really being all that good. So, I mean, for where they are, okay, you know, Yellick, um, after his two seasons, you know, didn't have a good one. I mean, this is tough on certain players, you know what I'm saying? But I'm a, I'm a fan of Christian Yellick, and I think maybe the team – just, you know, who knows? I mean, he had two good years. And maybe this was just one of the years where he just, you know, he chilling. You know what I'm saying? It's just the team was not that good. He is not a type of player that's just going to do that. Mike Trout has showed that he's been the best player in baseball for, for 10 years, and the team can't even get to the playoffs. Not even in his power ranking anywhere. So, I mean, come on. Enough's enough. Something's got to be done. 15 is the Cardinals. 16 is the Miami Marlins. These teams right here, just down here on the bottom, are just not as good. Um, they're just not as good. They're just not as good, man. They're just not as good. But you know, Marlins, they they're they're making moves. You know, Derek Jeter, I'm, I'm rooting for him to for him to do good things for this team, and um, yeah. It's just 30, 31 or 29. Hey, they're over 500. Second in out east. Six seed. I don't know about them, though, man. They just seem like a scheduled team that got these wins. and They got a fight song, though. We're going to say the fight song. Let's play ball. It's game day. We want to strike out space. Hits double plays. Take the field. Hear the roar of the crowd. Come on, Marlins, make us proud. Come on, Marlins, make us proud. Come on, man. You don't get no better than that. I think all teams need a fight song. I ain't going to sing the rest. Yankees got one? Do the Yankees got a fight song? The Yankees need a fight song if the Marlins got one, man. That is crazy. Oh, that's right. Here come the Yankees. That's right. Here come the Yankees. 
that's the fight song. I was I was tripping there for a second, man. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This was made in 1967. Oh yeah, I know that song. I'm tripping. But Super Marlon, they went all. Oh, they got a they got a chorus. They got a verse, a chorus, and another verse. <laughs> like we're just you know Y A N K E S. You know, here come the Yankees. Let's get behind the chair of the Yankees. Yeah, I know that. I don't like singing the rest of that. Uh, we'll keep it moving. Baseball playoffs are coming. I'm picking my Yankees. On the NL side, I'm going to go ahead and say the, uh, the Reds. I want Yankees Reds. I want Yankees Reds, man. That's what I want. I can't wait, man. I cannot wait. This is going to be so fun, man. So fun, man. Rays versus Blue Jays. That should be good. A's versus White Sox. That should be good. Twins versus Astros. Let's go Twins. Indians, Yankees, you already know. Dodgers, Brewers, let's go. Braves, Reds, let's go. Whoa, these are two of my favorite teams. I want the Reds to do good, but the, damn, I'm going to say Braves. Damn, that's crazy. I got to change my pick. No, I'm just going Reds. I'm going Reds. I'm going Reds, Yankees. So let's go Reds. Cubs, Marlins, going Cubs. Padres, Cardinals. I'm going to say the Padres. Yeah. I really don't know. That's why I said let's go. Like, I really don't know about the Dodgers and Brewers. Dodgers choke, man. They choke artists. They like yell come in there and play like a, you know, uh, five-time, you know, saying uh, Trout or something like, you know, or like Super Saiyan God. And the pitching staff would just go wild. And then Clay Kershaw would give up a million hits. They better not. Hey, man, it's a hell of a playoffs coming up in the MLB, man. It's going to be dope. Like I said, Bieber, Cole, Bauer. So many great pitching, man. You know, Broadus Chapman. A lot of bullpen good guys out there, like I named. Uh, a lot of good teams got more than one good pitcher, like I named. Reds, uh, the, the, the A's. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a playoffs. I'm just mad the Astros are in. Anyway, let's keep it moving. Wanted to talk about two individuals in Texas. These two individuals, they do play calling. These two individuals, they are in the NFL. And their name is Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. Okay, Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. I'm going to talk about Dak first. I'm going to get some things off my chest. And hopefully later on this week I'll have a guest and we can kind of have a debate or conversation more about this. And it's Texas is 
big ass state, Lone Star State, you know, everything big in Texas. You have two franchises in the state of Texas. Dallas Cowboys, Houston, Texas. Um, the crazy thing is, is that Cowboys always get the press. Jerry Jones. Texas doesn't have that type of voice in the front office, and their head coach is darn sure ain't no fan favorite right now. So my thing is, You have two black quarterbacks on your franchise, on your respective franchise. Jerry Jones has gone, I would say, he's done what he's supposed to do, but I, I, I paying certain players certain amounts of money, we can get into that. But I've just said for something I can at least just really pat on the back of how things can change through time, especially with Tyrod being hurt, and it would have been if he wouldn't have got hurt and been able to play, it would have been a lot of black on black quarterback matchups in the NFL in week two. And I just wanted to say, with Dak and 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 Sean to be in Texas, the big state for football, especially with college and high school and stuff like that, but having two franchises in the state of Texas and and you know particularly trying to be first class all the time to have Dak and Deshaun calling the plays man I'm just happy as a black man and I just wanted to say that but I also wanted to say that for Dak Prescott is to end Deshaun Watson I don't know man like I, I just I picked these two out just to say is it something to be done or something? That's why I say, like, later on this week, I have, a, have a more of a guest to break this up. I'm not fully equipped to sit there and get this person here and there and just have to do this, break this down like I'm calling Cowherd or anything, to sit there and bring different people in and discuss certain things. People busy, got jobs and stuff like that. I'm doing this completely free at my time and, and things of that nature, just trying to uh, build. So I appreciate people just enjoying the ride. But Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson being in their situation, man, like, are they not, like, I would be sitting there hanging with my linemen. I'd be sitting there, you know, chilling, you know what I'm saying, just, like, make sure they're good, you know, because my thing is that both lines are not great. But you have standout players on Lammy Tunzel. You can go Tyron Smith or, say, uh, younger guys, Connor Williams and stuff like that. My thing is that where is the trying to build them into a better offensive line instead of just relying on coaches? Like, I wonder. I, I'm, I'm not sitting there saying they're not. But I'm just wondering if Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson are taking the time to sit there and say, you know, I need to check. I need to see if, if my guys are good, my hog mollies. You know what I'm saying? Because these guys get hit. And I'm seeing these in the big stage, like, they're on TV. You know, they're going to be there. They're going to be Texans, Cowboys. Like, they're Texas. You feel what I'm saying? 
And and when you look at some numbers, they are really good quarterbacks. I mean, Dak is now starting to hit up on 400 passing yards a game. Deshaun Watson came into the league, dazzled us, and been able to throw the football. We had the had the RJ Hopkins doesn't now, but I'm just saying. I hate the clip of these gentlemen that get sacked three times against Rams. Now they got sacked once against Atlanta, but that's Atlanta. Two times against Seattle. Deshaun. Five, four, four. I mean, ouch. He's getting killed. Dak is getting hit on throwing it. See, that's the thing about Dak. Dak is going to still try to throw that thing when the hit is just, I'm talking about a millisecond away. Now, Deshaun, he makes a quick move, tries to break up out of there. He tries to be like, ooh, get that extra little bit so I can't throw. Dak is so down the field. He's taking hits as he's throwing, and it's causing interception, fumbles, and, and bad passes where that one could have been picked off. Luckily, Gallup made a, 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 a heady play and picked it up and got some extra yards. But are they are they really helping out this offensive line with the bad practice, making sure, hey, I might sometimes slide to, you know what I'm saying, like try to push these guys, you know what I'm saying, like to buy me a little bit of extra time. Like, Tumzel, like you are, he was a, he was a, he was a top pick. Here are you guys getting sacked. It's three games. He's been sacked fourteen times. Hey, thirteen times. Ouch. Now, 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 Dak's defense, you know, he's not been sacked as much, but I've been seeing him get hit. See, that's the thing, like, and, you know, it's crazy. He's been sacked 13 times. Just imagine how times Deshaun Watson got hit. I don't have that stat in front of me. Just how many times that he's been hit, but, like, same for Dak. He's been hit. I've been seeing it. And he took three sacks against, against the Rams, took two against Seattle, They play Cleveland. Miles Garrett is tearing the league apart. Okay? <laughs> so, I mean, Tyron Smith, I think what he, he got pulled out the game. Is he not going to be there next week? So, I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, the other guys, the guys on the bench, are you making them feel good? Are you sitting there saying, hey, guys? Because I always say this much. You can have all the talented offensive line you want. But if their mental ain't right, then they're not going to do the job right. And that's anybody. That's any position. That's coaches. That's, you know. But the offensive line controls that line of scrimmage. Or they get beat right off of it. Can they make it to where these two. Because even with the running game, people are all Zeke don't look the same. But Zeke sure did look energetic week one. Zeke sure did look energetic in week two. And he looked like he was ready to run week three. The offensive line is compromised, but what are the QB1s doing to try to better that? 
That's just a serious question to me. I don't think, I don't think Skip, I don't think, you know, people with ESPN, I don't think none of these people are asking the question and saying, like, what are these guys doing to make the offensive line come together more as a unit? Because I feel like that is more of a unit job than to say, hey, this guy was, you know, All-American here. Yeah, it matters, but I'm just saying to sit there and say, you know, get Robert Gallery and we're going to put him on Oakland, and the offensive line is going to be completely fixed. And their offensive line was trash. You had old guys, you had guys that just wasn't going to cut it. Yeah, then you go get Robert Gallery, and everybody's like, oh, see, the offensive line is fixed. And then look what happened. Five quarterbacks later, six coaches later, eight left tackles later. They was moving left, they was moving right. He probably was a good tackle. He probably was going to be a good tackle. But you put him on something where, especially with a bad coach as the Raiders, Jamarcus Russell, guys like that, probably they say, hey, guys, what's going on, man? Hey, that shit ain't lost in this in this sport. I hope not. So that's just, you know, my thing is, if you look at these two, there ain't two black quarterbacks in the, in the big state of Texas in the NFL. Couldn't be more happy. 138 sacks. <laughs> Deshaun, I mean, uh, uh, Dak, I mean, uh, I mean uh, not how I said that. Deshaun, 138 sacks, man. That's a 823 yards. And as of right now, his QBR is 58. Ouch. Last year was 71. They went to the playoffs. He made amazing plays, but he was sacked 44 times. His QBR was 60. He was sacked 62 times. Rookie year, injury, 19 sacks. And that was before the injury. Oh, Jesus. Dak, he's been sacked 142 times. 56 times in 2018 when offensive line finally decided to really crack. 32 times before that. 25 times this rookie year whenever the offensive line probably was at the best it possibly could be before it was at its elite best year before that with that Romo. So that technically has not had the same Dallas Cowboy offensive line that was portrayed when they had Marco Murray in game. So whenever they got Zeke, Zeke made that happen. 25 sacks, 32 sacks, 56 sacks. Now they're up to 23 in 2019. Now that was better. That was a whole lot better. Now we're up to six at this point. So if this can hold proof to where what I'm saying is that Dak is having to get rid of the ball a whole lot early, throwaways and stuff like that, that's why his sack numbers are going down. Because I'm still seeing this guy get hit time and time again. And that has to be true. He's having to throw the ball away. That's why they horrible on third downs. Horrible on third downs. Bad passes, high passes. Why? He's about to get killed. I mean, the evidence is right there. I mean, the proof is right there. Deshaun having to extend plays, roll out to the outside. You make him up. And that's why I had the concerns with Tom Brady in these first few weeks is that, yeah, we might be 2-1, and one, 
but still getting contact with him. He's still having uncomfortability because when people are getting there, he's making an un-Tom Brady throw. Just like Drew Brees. You pressure up the middle, he's going to make an un-Drew Brees pass. Period. And that's just the nature of it. I wonder what these guys are doing to make their offensive line better at practice. What is what is the problem? Like, because I remember back then, it was like, you know, Steve Young would make sure that everybody had TVs or Rolexes and stuff. You hear a little stuff here and there. I wonder Mahomes hooked up his offensive line. Because you see them last night. He got hit every once in a while on extended plays that needed a longer route on that one he threw the hard bit. But other than that, they, they're doing a good job. I and mean, their offensive line is not deemed the best out there. Like, say, a, a, a Oakland or a um, somebody like that. Dallas does not have a top offensive line anymore. We have to come to grips with that. And no, New Texans are giving Earl Thomas a look. Cowboys are, 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 are sleeping on that. I don't know what's going to happen, but he's going to be playing in Texas regardless because that's where he, he probably wants to end up in his career. So he could be the Texans. Keep moving. I just wanted to give. I just wanted to talk about those two and that and that retrospect and that saying like, man, like, remember the old school days where guys take care of the offensive line. I don't know if it gets covered. Like, if people talk about it, I might have missed it or something like that. But I mean, these two guys. I want them to have a long career. And Dak is a big guy, and so is Deshaun. They weigh two twenty, six three, six four. But damn, they're getting hit. They are getting hit out there, man. I don't keep moving. Monday Night Football. People was like, this is the game of the year. And all that stuff like that. Kansas City Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Marquise Braille, defense, first defense, all this stuff like that. And what I knew before this game was tipped off was, it's going to remind me of Rams-Ravens. Chiefs, unlike the Rams, had to do one thing. Stop the run. Gus Edwards, 39 yards. Lamar, 80-some yards. Ingram, 30 yards. Now, Lamar's yards comes with not seeing him about to take off and things like that. Nine rushes, seven rushes for Mark Ingram, and, and, and four rushes for Gus, and one for J.K., which I think J.K. needs more touches. They're trying to get him more out there on the pass. I dig it. But they stopped the run. Yeah, Lamar had 83, but that's he didn't have 83 lined up at running back. They stopped the run. If Gus and Mark would have got going, Lamar's runs would have been more damaging, would have opened up to more passing. Two, two, four, two, three. He only completed 15 passes. Uh, 28 attempts and 97 yards. The one pass touchdown, my God, should have got intercepted, but him and Boyle hooked up. Couldn't believe it, though. I was like, I don't see how that pass went picked off, but that was a good pass nonetheless to get to him, to try to get a comeback going. Four sacks. It seemed like they understood if we took away the outside 
running lanes for him. Let him run up the middle because he get blasted. He, he, you know what I'm saying? He might get five, seven yards, but he comes to the decision. You slide or whatever like that. And they're like, they're cool with that because get, get third because a lot of fourth down situations came around. Came around. And we would go for one, four for two, then a, then, a, uh, then a false start happened, and they had to end up having to kick the field goal. But it just seems like the Chiefs was going to do what they were going to do offensively, which they do, I say, play the best defense by playing that type of offense, is that they're not going to be a three-and-out king, especially early in the game. If they come out early in the game and do that, they can run the table because I feel that even if their defense does give up points, there is a chance to where they can get back on fire and score some points again. Now, in this case, it didn't happen because they had three drives. They went for none, even though one was going good, and then a fumble, and then another drive, missed field goal, another drive, came up uh, going forward on four downs and lost. And then, what happened with Baltimore and all that? Nothing. But, uh, you know, saying field goal here, touchdown for Boyle, and then they had this chance to make a comeback. It's 2027. But what do you do? You, 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 it's just like, I just feel like now that y'all going to be in this situation where games can be a little sweaty and things are not as fun and, and you're not moving the ball as well, you got to find a different plan to try to find some quick, quicker uh, completions to try to get yak. I mean, it just seems like they were just really like, uh, Lamar, if you can find a lane to run, go ahead and run. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, don't try to go down the field because you're going to throw a pick. And it's just like, Marquise Brown playing in the in between the ashes. He's gonna get killed. He weighs a buck eighty five. Maybe a buck ninety now. He's gonna get murdered in there. But he's trying. Two catches there. He's trying to get catches, man. Hell, that's all how you do. You can't just go deep. And the thing with Lamar Jackson is that you're not gonna have a type of career like your cousin. So you gotta get how you can get it. I understand that. Two catches, thirteen yards. You take him out the game. Six targets he was. Eight targets for Andrews and only three catches. Lamar Jackson clearly didn't have it. Um, the Chiefs knew what they was going to do, Frank Clark and them. They got outside. It was that one play was third down. Lamar, as soon as he said hut, they were like ready to form that type of wall. I mean, jeez. But let's talk about Lamar. I mean, let's talk about Patrick on the offensive side, man. Uh, First off, he's running more. He seemed a little quicker. I think him running injured us thinking like, especially in the cold, it was like, man, how did he bumble, bumbling, bumbling down the field? But he's actually got some speed on him now. He's, you know, feeling real 100%. Weather ain't as cold. And it just seems like he's moving a whole lot better. So it's like he's faster than what people may think and what I thought, um, you know, getting the rushing touchdown and running a whole lot more. I mean, hell, since – the playoffs, or since the regular, uh, the end of the regular season, something like it, it was some stat number that came up. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is being a better runner than Lamar Jackson. It's crazy. That's a crazy stat right there. Been a better runner than Lamar in the passing. Oh my god, the, the jump pump fake, and then the turn your body, Sammy Watkins, or the set up boat quick loft. Perfect pass. Tyreek Hill jumps up like he's playing in the NBA. He grabbed it from Marcus Peters, none other, who tore Marcus Peters a new one, Tyreek Hill. Hardman, too. Hardman, on that route that was unbelievable, ran so fast, looked like a remote control car from a distance with an engine on it. Like, it just, like, he just, like, 
gone. Can't catch up to him. And then what can? A Patrick Mahomes pass. Can catch him. It fell right in his hands. It wasn't like, oh, Harvey had to run harder or he had to slow up. It fell in his hands. It caught him. It burnt him. It was like, I can put that pass right there. Just like when Tyreek Hill ran down, buddy, when that ran that touchdown last year. I mean, it doesn't get no better than that to see this man throw an underhanded shovel pass that didn't look janky at all. It was perfect. The man knew. I mean, it was like, whoop, 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 touchdown. Clyde. I'm going to call him Clyde. That Clyde, that boy Clyde, he's something else, man. He's just silky, man. He's just silky. 100 yards on a day on total or total offense, 64 rushes, 70 passing, five catches, 20 carries. The man is going to be doing big things, okay? Big things. Big things. Couldn't get in the end zone, but just the plays he made, the wiggle, the boo-doo-doo-doo, the, the, the foot in the dirt, just stuff like that. The first play of the game, Tyreek Hill got a 20-yard uh, run. First play of the game, they're running, they're running shit. They are scary, okay? Scary. Travis Kelsey's scary. Anytime he catches the ball, he's getting five, six yards yak afterwards. He's 30 years old, and he knows what he's doing. Six catches, 87 yards. Sammy Watkins, seven catches, 62 yards. See the difference here? See 31, 42, 385, four touchdowns. You see five, five, six, four, seven. Not two, 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 two. Lamar got to get it together. That was a drop-off because we still remember the playoff game. Work. Because we remember Kansas City Chiefs playoff games because we would have been right on Patrick Mahomes' ass, but he lit a fire and went crazy and won on Super Bowl. You just kept making mistakes, fumbling and stuff like that like you did last night. You lost two fumbles. Not lost two, but you fumbled twice. Get it together when you're playing teams that you know you got to try to perform in other ways to run the ball. Because I think that plays along in his head with how he could be more effective running the ball. Playing Cincinnati when he did that and running the ball, yeah, that can't pass on us. We, come on, we got this. But when it came to playing against a team that can say, hey, you're going to have to beat us in the air, he can't do it. Get it together because that's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you for a long time. And I just can't believe this two, the kicker matchup here. And she, the kicking matchup was against two legends, and, and and one of them, you know, I guess looked over at Justin Tucker like, I'm just not him. Because Justin Tucker was fine, didn't miss a damn thing. But it was out of the game majority of the time. But Bucker, you know what I'm saying, missed a field goal and an extra point. So at least Tucker could say he won that battle. For, for the Ravens, or that this is own moral uh, victory right there. That's about it. Whew! I tell you. I tell you, I tell you. Now, close this show out. I didn't get the chance to talk about Saturday's events. Uh, Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. And one thing I can't say this, good job, Israel, but I'm going to say this before I go into the match. Don't ever hunt another fighter after a win ever again. That, it just don't look right. It's not good sportsmanship. I mean, 
I know UFC is pretty cutthroat. I, 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 you know, saying I know a lot of a sportsman, uh, a sportsman like things happens in that octagon. It kind of goes with, goes okay. But that right there, that's foolishness and ignorant. It's just dumb. Like, don't do that, bro. Like, you're not gonna gain more fans sitting there humping another man in the ring after you just knocked him out. I dig what you're trying to like, but it's not. That's not cool. That's man that up. Bottom line, uh, Israel Asanya, very precise, has precision. Um, you know, somebody that is not scared. See, that's the thing. You got the three things that I always said: the power, precision, and no fear. And in combat sports, if you got those things, you can win fights. If you, you know, you miss some other things like defense and or stamina. You know, it's a thing you gotta have that though. But you know, some things to wear like precision, power, and no fear. Because the no fear comes in where you can stand in front of this person. He stood in front of Costa. He wasn't scared of him. And stand in front of him made Costa be, oh shit. You know, this guy's kind of different in person. Okay, he's not backing up. Because at the moment he would have backed up or showed that type of fear, Costa would have went crazy. He would have went try to attack. He tried to find moments. Try to find. Um, a Lima versus Paul uh, Venom, you know what I'm saying, moment. You know what I'm saying, catch him taunting, not catch him. It didn't work. He stayed focused. He stayed right there. He was letting him do all that mockery stuff. And he ended up kicking that leg to a point to where Costa was, you know, couldn't move the way he could move anymore. So when it came down to, it was third round. I knew that Adesanya had the ability to go ahead and finish it, but I just didn't know he could finish it like that because I'm like, well, he's going to let kick him, he's going to jab him, he's going to win the fighting decision. But the way he started getting closer and then making Apollo miss, Apollo miss with big shots and then making him pay, that was some of the best MMA striking I've seen since him against Whitaker or Anderson against Forrest Griffin. I mean, it's just like, wow, you never seen John Jones do that. He's not a striker. You never seen G G GSP do that. He's not a striker. So strikers, you think of Anderson Silva, you think of uh, heavyweights, you think of uh, guys like that, Stipe, you think of, uh, um, uh, I always always liked uh, uh, Gary Goodrich's uh, strikes, but he was kind of crazy. But you just think of different strikers through the game. Conor McGregor, um, the zombie, T.J. Dillashaw, Demetrius Johnson. <laughs> I've never seen nobody strike the way Adesanya strikes. It's just Shogun Hua even. You know what I'm saying? Like the leg kicks. I mean, just snappy. Just, I mean, like, shah. And his legs are strong. So people think he's just some skinny guy that you can just, nah, man. He's different. He's, he's way different, so. Big ups to Adesanya. Big ups to Dominic Reyes for getting knocked the hell out. Talked all that shit. Talking about this. And I'm running to the lightweight division. I'm doing this. And I'm doing that. I'm doing this. John Jones ran from me. John Jones ran. John Jones ran. Though, you need to worry about Fulowitz. Because he whooped that ass. God. Can you say he broke his nose? He And you know, somebody had the nerve to say that John Jones left the heavyweight division because he felt that left to go to the heavyweight division because he felt that Dominic Reyes did beat him and he didn't want to rematch and the other guys coming up in the lightweight division. Now, this followers guy is kind of crazy, but I don't think he can beat John Jones. I think John Jones presents something in the ground game that, that's different and makes people will stop. 
even standing. They're like, I'm not throwing that. He go take me down. I'm going to stand up here and try to leg kick. Eric scored points that way. You know? I just believe that. John Jones moving up the heavyweight, talking down to Israel. I would do less. I dig why he said what he said, which it was, <laughs> oh my God. John Jones is a scary individual. And whatever heavyweight he fights, I hope it's Brock Lesnar, but he's, he's in a zone. He's in a zone. And uh, yeah, that's just, that's just hilarious. Um, but Charlos, they fought Saturday too. I'm going to talk about that. Showtime already already aired my, my vents on that. But um, I just thought it was funny that uh, I just thought it was funny that, that Jamal Charlo had to fight first, but you know, it was the unification for Jamal. But it was just like, I was like, they should have just fought back to back and it would have been cool. Why the two events? Jamal didn't look that good. Jamal didn't look that good. He looked good as far as, you know, to win the fight. Devachinko is a gatekeeper. I've never seen him somebody that could just flat out go in there and win, but he was going to show if you're a good defensive guy, if, he, if, if you can make a miss, if you're going to be a good pace guy. And I think the things he made Jamal look good is that Jamal didn't back down. They hit him with clean shots, and he won the fight. But what I would say, if he fights somebody who, who can make him miss and then make him pay, he allows himself to get hit too much. It's just my opinion. He allows himself to get hit a little bit too much. And, you know, I, I just like, yeah, you know, just too much. He gets hit too much for me. Jamel, uh, I don't know what was over Rosario. I really don't, man. Like, I, I just, like, I can't, I can't explain what's up with Jamel and Rosario. I can't explain what happened to Rosario to get knocked out from a body jab. It's one of the weirdest things to see. Nonetheless, Good fight, went eight rounds. Jamel is unified now, basically the man at junior uh, middleweight at 154. So he's basically the man there. Move up, fight your brother. I don't know. I don't know who else you can fight. Fight Hanging McGee, you know what I'm saying? Fight Jared Hurd next. I don't know. Give it a, get get, get J-Rock in there. Yeah, your brother handled him. Get a rematch. You can do a fight a third fight with Tony Harrison. I don't know. Move up to middleweight, make some money. Because 154, you done dominated it. You know, give Erickson Lubin a rematch then or something. It's going to be interesting. But, hey, Conor McGregor, his name is being out there mentioned. We're going to talk about that later on in the week, close to the weekend, talk some fight stuff. But, uh, you know, today's going to be my episode on that. But like I said, I wanted to talk about what happened Saturday night with the fights. Israel Adesanya got it done. Hopefully, you know what I'm saying, anybody else don't want to call him out. He already had somebody call him out after the fight. I don't even know who he is. So, I mean, it's, it's going, the middleweight division is his. When, when it comes to that, when when guys are calling themselves up and you really don't know too much about them, that's when you know you're really ruling shit because he beat all the guys you know, Whitaker, Romero, and now Costa. And, you know, I've been told that Costa's not even the top guy. Da, 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 da. So, hey, put the top guy in there and see what happens. But this has been Sauce Talk. And hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Like I said, man, Dak, Deshaun, what are y'all doing, man? Go get some... Go get some popcorn and take take your offense line out on a date. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just saying, man. I mean, y'all got y'all getting killed out there. And y'all two guys I want to see play 12 to 15 years in this league, and it don't look like y'all going to get make it. Y'all getting killed. So that's my episode tomorrow. I'm gonna have Matt Sutton, my good buddy. He's been on with me several times. We're gonna talk Lakers versus Heat in the NBA Finals. Everybody have a good day. 
God bless.